project Taryag day 93 Mitzvah Tafkov Tzadik Gimel and that is a continuation of the Mitzvah of Shikha which we ended yesterday with and that is the Loita Aser Shilo Yashiv Lakacha Shikha besides the Mitzvah to leave the Shikha for the poor one's not allowed to return to the field to take the Shikha the Pazak says Loita Shiv Lakacha don't go back to take it and it doesn't just apply to wheat or other crops which have been gathered and left in the field similarly if a person is harvesting his fruit trees if a person forgot a specific tree the mitzvah would apply there also not to go back to harvest that tree to leave it for the poor the reason for the mitzvah as we already spoke before is when someone is so much that he can forget an individual tree or pile of food he should leave it for the poor who for them it could be so significant this is a lav and intact assay which means if a person does the lav, there's a way, a positive commandment to undo it. And that is if he does take the oymir of shikha, go back and give it to the poor. And halach is any lav which is intact assay. So as long as he can still do the assay, he doesn't get markers for the lav. But if he's in a position where he's no longer able to reclaim the assay, then there would be a markers. And turning over here, being as even if you would take the shikha, you can go and give it back to the name, so you can, so to speak, redeem the issue by undoing it. And if that's the case, there wouldn't be a of malchus. And even if it's no longer in the form of grains, he's threshed it and winnowed it, and uh, even ground it into flour, you can now give the flour to the ani, and if it's already baked it into bread, you can give the bread to the ani. However, if it's no longer in existence anymore because it got burnt or whatever else happened to it, that he can no longer give it back to the Oni, then he's been over the lab without the ability to attack in it, and if that's the case, he'll be Chayav Malchus. And Kal if he would eat it himself, and therefore there's nothing to give back to the Oni, he would now be Chayav Malchus. You know the Gemara says, we only have Peya, which means a corner of the field a person has to leave the Oni, which is this example of a person who could potentially undo the possibility of fixing the lab by eating the food himself and then we'll get Malchus if I explains it doesn't mean specifically payer it means mitzvahs similar to payer which are all the dinim of what a person is to leave for the Oni and if he didn't do that then this halacha would apply that if he's been battle the possibility of, do, of re, re, re-restituting the Oni by giving it to him later or he no longer has the option because what he was taking from the Oni is no longer able to be returned, then there will be a Chiyah Malchus. Mitzvah Tafkuf Tzadi Dalet, and that is a mitzvah to administer Malchus to the Rasha, which is a mitzvah in the Bastin. It is a penalty of Malchus, of lashes, for someone who's over a mitzvah in the Torah, or certain mitzvahs in the Torah, and in Bastin have verified that's the case. The Bastin have to administer Malchus to him. The Kwasak says, be Pila Hashaykat, the Shevet will make him fall or at least bend down the call in front of and he has to hit him in front of the shape of Kaderi Shose as much as he deserves for the crime that he did the reason for the mitzvah says the chinuch since Kaderi Shose are called the children of Hashem and Hashem wants to prevent them being punished severely in Olam Abba therefore he wants to chastise them now for the various they've done now to cause them to do tshuva and then they won't lose much more in Olam Abba as a result. And like Abba says in Mishnah, Yaseh bincha ki yesh tikva, rebuke your son because there's still hope, 
But El Hamisa Altis and Nafshech, I don't hope that you'll get killed. And therefore, the idea of Malchus also is to punish, but not to kill. And therefore, the mission says that they would first would decide medically how much Malchus a person could take without endangering him. And based on what they felt he was able to receive, that's how much they would give him, and not more than that. And even once they start to administer the Malchus, if they see that he's suffering in the sense that he was said he might die, even if it was less than what originally was considered able to receive, the Alokha is restopped. And in the, other, in the other extreme, even if they decided he could take a certain amount, and now that he's received that amount of Malchus, we see he's actually able to get more. Nevertheless, once it's been decided that this is how much we were going to give him, we don't add more markets later. The mission in Marcus describes exactly how they would give Marcus. They used to have a pole which was slanted, which they were tying to by his two hands. The agent of the base of the Marcus would rip his clothing or tear them and enough they would uncover his chest. And they would stand on the stone, which was like a certain platform behind him. He used to use a strap made out of calf leather, which was folded into four. And it was doubled and doubled again. And it was tied together with a strap, with the skin, with a, a retour, which is leather from a donkey. Its handle was a tefach long and a tefach wide. And he used to raise it and hit him with all his strength. A third of the Marcus in front of him, which was on his chest, and two thirds on his back. And as he would hit him, they would read the Pasuk, If you don't listen, then the Hiflashim is Makos, Hashim will give you his terrible punishments. In the case, he was talking about the Marcus he received. And we know from the Pasuk that the maximum Marcus a person would get was 39. This mitzvah applies only in Eretz Yisrael where basically we're smuchim and we're able to deliver or administer such punishments. And it needs a basin of three. And uh, when a person's been over, a mitzvah's loita said, which is Mechaev Malkus, basin of Mechaev to give him Malkus, and if they don't, then the battle of this mitzvah says, the basin to administer Malkus to someone who's Mechaev. And then the following mitzvah, mitzvah Tav Kuf Tzadi Hei, is the reverse, and that is not the issue not to hit him more than that. The Pasuk says, no, Yosef, that you can't hit him more than he deserves. And therefore, so the Torah gives a limit of 39 markers. So you give more than that to be over in this issue. And besides that, when, as we saw previously, we were have to ascertain how many markers a person can take. Then to give him more than the amount that we deemed him worthy, able to receive, would also be an issue of Mayasit. The minimum Marcus a person can receive is 3, and even though the Torah says 40, Chazal took it down one in case we need some extra, and made it 39. And even though the mitzvah is specifically talking with the person and Chazal is chayef to get hit. And here we can learn by extension to every other Jewish person who definitely does not deserve to be punished. If that's the case, to hit another Jew is over in this life of 
hitting it for nothing. And even more than that, Chazal said if a person raises his hand to hit another, even before he hits him, he's already called a Rasha. You see, by Moshe Rabbeinu, that when he saw one Jew raise his hand against another, he already called him a Rasha. The reason for the mitzvah, says the Chinuch, is obvious, because it's, uh, there's no justification to hit other people, unless it's in the context of Basin who are entrusted with the job of punishing someone who's been over avarious and therefore deserves to be punished. As we saw, the minimum amount of markets is three. And when they work out how many markets the person is able to receive, they work out in terms of threes. So, for example, if they decide that he's able to take 20 markets, they'll give him 18, not more, because you can't give him more than they, they decide him able to take, which will be going up to 21. The is, if a person embarrasses himself by losing control of his body functions when he's being given markets, then we say he doesn't have to give him more Malchus because the Pasuk says that as a result of Malchus your brother has been embarrassed in front of you and I we hear that he's also been embarrassed therefore he doesn't need more Malchus um, the halacha also is that if the strap being used to hit him with rips or if he manages to run away the Chinuf passed into the part in that case also once a person has gotten Malchus, he goes back to his Kashrus. We don't consider him a Rosh anymore, like the Father says, Vinikla Achicha Leinecha. He goes back to his status as Achicha. The Gemara even goes further than that and says, if a person is Chayv Kores, which is a punishment to Shemaim, but he's given Malchus by the basin over here, that acts to make him part of his Chayv Kores. Again, because he's called Achicha again. This is not to hit another Jew. It applies in every time and every place, both to men and to women. But when it's referring to adding Malchus to the person's high Malchus, it will only be applicable in a case where there's a basin who can administer Malchus. If a person is over in this Easter and he hits another Jew, so if he causes damage, which is at least the value of a Prita, or more than that, since Chayv to pay the damage, then you won't get Malchus because we don't give two punishments for the same transgression. But if he hits him in a way which is not Chayv Malchus, which is not high payment because it's the, the damage causes less than the Prutter, then you'll be high of Malchus. And that's, uh, which means even though the damage causes less, you'll be high of a bigger punishment because you're punishing him for the Isra involved, which is hitting another Jew. Mitz the tough Kuf Sadivav, and that is not to muzzle an animal when it's doing its work. The Pazak says they touch some Shah Badishai, which means not to use something to shut the mouth of the ox when he's threshing the grain with the lamb to eat. Two, the reason for the mitzvah says the chinuch is in order to teach ourselves good middas and, and compassion even for animals. And even though the animals are only there to service us, we still have to think about them and to care for them as especially as a certain level of understanding of what they so it's been trading on our behalf and the person will learn from there to how to treat other people as well and therefore same thing when them when another person works for him he'll treat them also generously and pay them or look after them too once again the training here is Hashem wants us as far Israel to be used to have a good midas the issue of muzzling an animal when it's working 
is only when it's working with food which grows from the ground, Gedulei Karka. It doesn't make a difference if it's still attached to the ground or if it's already been detached from the ground. Even though the Pasuk says Shar, it's just an example, would apply to any species of animal that a person is using to work with, whether it's a kosher animal or a non-kosher animal, like a horse or a donkey. And even though it says Badesha in the Pasuk, which means while it's threshing, any kind of Mulacha involving crops that grow from the ground would be included as well. This only applies to an animal if a person is a worker and he makes sure his worker doesn't eat, he wouldn't be over in this lab. It doesn't make a difference if he's chosen, if he muzzles the animal while it's working or before it starts working. The issue applies to both cases. If a person borrowed or hired an animal of a guy, Or if a person hides his animal to a guy and the guy wanted to muzzle it, the Gemara discusses the issue replies. Or similarly, in a case where one knows that the food that the pirate is working with, if it would eat it, would actually give it indigestion, what would it then be there? This issue applies to every person every time, both to men and to ladies. If a person's over in this and he does muzzle the animal when it's meant to be working, he gets markers for that. And even if he didn't put a physical muzzle on it, but he shattered it every time he tried to eat, which means he stopped it eating, it will also be a, uh, considered a, a maestro to, to Mikhail and Malchus for that. And even though normally what one does with one's speech is not called a maestro, and therefore does Mikhail versus Malchus, over here it would be different. And if a person borrowed an animal from someone else and, and wouldn't allow it to eat, Besides for the Isser of Malchus, you would also have to pay the Arnit Ashlami because the person who owned the animal had assumed that it would be given food to eat while working, which is what the person is required to do. And therefore, now that he has to feed it, he has caused him a secondary loss, which he has to pay back. The Gemara gives a share of four cub of food for a cattle and three cub of food for a donkey. Mitzvah Tav Kuf Tadizayin. And that is a, a lady whose husband died without children. It's called the Yavama. She's not allowed to marry somebody else until she's gotten chalitza from her husband's brother. And it's also for you to marry her until she got chalitza. The Pazak says, The wife of the dead man is not allowed to marry somebody else. And that's until obviously she got chalitza. As we'll see in the final minute, which is the mitzvah of Yibam. And if a person's over on this, and he would marry a Yavama while she's still connected to her husband's brother, called the Yavam. So Mrs. Leita says he's been over on his Chayav Malkus. So that even though the Torah speaks to the man who would marry her, and the Ikah is applies to him, she's also included in the Isra, that she's not allowed to marry somebody else while she still needs Chalitza. And therefore the Chinoch says she would also be Chayav Malkus. Mitzvah Tavkov Tzadiches, that's the Mitzvah of Yibam. Someone who dies doesn't have any children. The halachi is his brother from his father's side has to marry his wife. And that relationship of marriage is called Yibum. The reason for the mitzvah says the chinuch because after that he marries a man, it's actually a part of him, part of his body even. Just like for other Mauritian, that Chavim, who was taken from one of his ribs, is considered part of his body. And once 
a man and the body, a man and his wife are together, considered one body, then when the man dies, their children, she can be his memorial and fill his place in the world, and he has nothing else left behind in the world besides his wife, because she's considered a part of him. Therefore, the chesed of Hashem, if she can have a child, will be considered as a continuation of him as well. And his dafki was a child from his brother, because since it's also a relative, so therefore it's also considered a way of continuing, so to speak, the zeicher, the memory of the person who died. And therefore the child who's born will be considered the memale makum, so to speak, the replacement of the, the brother who died, and will consider, continue his avodah Hashem in the world. And this will be for him the biggest chus in Aylam Abbas. Because normally, if a person leaves a son in this world, so the son continues to avoid Hashem and continues to be a source of Tzchusim in Aylam Abbas. If a person dies without children, he doesn't have that Tzchus. And therefore, the mitzvah of Yibum is to enable the, the neshama of the man who died to have the continuation of this world which will continue to provide him with that merit. Obviously, one did everything. The brother, who is the biological father, was the tzaddik of it, and same thing the lady. The chinuch isn't sure if the ikkus goes to the dead brother, and uh, only a chaylek to the brother who marries his wife. He says it's like uh, someone who owns a karka, owns property, and there's a worker who comes to plant it for him that the majority share will go to the owner, not to the worker, and maybe he also, the dead brother is considered the owner, and all the other way around. The Chilak wants to suggest that's why in the story of the sons of Yehuda, that Oynon didn't want to have children with Tamar, because it says, Lo, lo azir, they won't be his, which means he wouldn't get the main part of the Shechar, because he understood that the Echazchar of the children will go to his dead brother. Either way around, the, the understanding that the, the midst of Yibam is in order to provide a source of supposed to their brother. However much it is, the benefits I would say that even though he claims not to know what the Kabbalah now, but he has a reason here to explain the mitzvah. And therefore, if there's any other children of the dead man, even from a different wife or even a mamza, this mitzvah of Yibam wasn't, wouldn't apply because there is some other source of merit for him in this world. The mitzvah of Yibum, whether she was whether the lady was engaged to him or married to him, as long as it's been a kiddush, she's literally considered his wife halachically, and therefore be shaykh to Yibum. The only brothers, the brothers from the father, count for Yibum, no brothers from the mother. And if a person had a number of wives and died without children from any of them, only one of the wives has to do Yibum Khalitza. And then once that's happened, the rest of them are muttered to marry whoever they want. And was not allowed to do Yibum with more than one of them. And similarly, only one brother can do Yibum, and, and the other brother is not allowed to. We learn from the Pazak, Hashem, Lo Yivne's space, Echiv, and he doesn't build his brother's house. There's only one house that a person is allowed to build, which means to marry one wife. And only one brother can do it. And it's a prerogative of the oldest brother to do Yibum first. If he doesn't want to, then we'll go down the line. To other brothers to ask if they want to yibum, and same thing by chalitza, which is the mitzvah we're going to see next. If a person doesn't want to yibum, it's the first prerogative of the oldest brother 
to do chalitza to one of them, and once that happens, the others are potter from chalitza, and the brothers are potter from chalitza. And it would be also for after one brother and one of the wives then chalitza, for any of the others to do yibum. However, the chinuch learns like the opinion that the isra and the other brothers to marry the other wives is not mitaraisa, the isra of brother's wife, because when the brother died, they were all technically mutter because one of them needed to do yibum. It would only be an isra de rabbanon for one of the brothers to marry one of the other ladies. When a person does chalitza, rabbanon gave it the category, the similarity to uh, a grusha, and therefore. He would be also to her, and his relatives would also be also to her. Relatives also be also to him, and his relatives to her. And similarly, if the Yavama would die before he had a chance to do Yibum Chalitza, so her relatives would be also to him as well. Midraban. The is that you're going to make a lady wait 90 days after husband died before Yibum Chalitza. Besides, for the day of the, of the he died, because we want to make sure that she's not pregnant. And uh, if well, that would be the case, then there wouldn't be a need for Yibum Chalitza. And this is a general din Chazal applied to any lady whose husband died, even if there wouldn't be a requirement of Yibum Chalitza, so that you would know the parentage of who the father would be. If a man dies and his wife is pregnant, so if uh, she miscarries, it would still be a theme of Yibum Chalitza. But if she gives birth and the baby was born alive, then there's no longer a theme of Yibum Chalitza, even if the baby dies afterwards. However, Chazal will maybe the baby wasn't compatible with life, and therefore, unless we know that the baby had been born a term, we would still be choshesh uh, and require chalitza. The mitzvah of Yibum, even if it was done b'shoigeg or b'oynes, whether by he was a shoigeg or mezid, or they didn't think they were doing a mitzvah, it doesn't make a difference. The mitzvah, even if she was asleep or awake, b'kadarko, shalaykadarko, the Maisi Yibum is still Maisi Yibum, and that's the case she becomes married to him as a, as a wife, as long as it was a Kavana for Maisi Be'edah. However, Chachamim wanted it to be in the first with the Kiddushin, even though the Halachic Midrash does need a Kiddushin, it's called a Maimar, and first, and then after he's given her something as a Kiddushin. With witnesses, then afterwards, uh, he can do Yibum in the Torah where a normal, a normal marriage would be a Maes of a Nisoyin of a marriage. In this case here where the Torah has already connected them, so it's called a Maes Yibum. A man who wasn't able to have children, he was a Saris or an Androgynous, so his wife doesn't Yibum Chalitza. Similarly, a lady who's not able to have children doesn't have to have Yibum Chalitza. And if a case where the brother is not allowed to marry the wife because she's an erva to him. She's the one of the relatives that she's not allowed to marry. So obviously he can't do Yom Chalitza. The lists 15 ladies who would be allowed to, for a brother to marry, but it would be a case where it would be also on the live brother because there would be an erva to him. Such as his daughter, his mother-in-law, his wife's sister, which would be allowed for the brother, not married to him. Like the category with the Asaf Mutter for the husband and also for the Yavam. However, if she would only be asked to them with the Isser Lav and not a Kores, for example, uh, a Kohen Gadol, who can't marry an Almana, 
So there, there would be chalitza, but not, there's no obviously possibility of doing gibum. This mitzvah applies in every place in time to men, in other words, to the brother, as a mitzvah to yibum. And if a person is over and doesn't do yibum, which is the first um, beer with her, which would be koina her, and then be yotzah the mitzvah regarding the father, regarding the brother, then we invite this mitzvah sasah.